the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of New York City, welcome to In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm Aaron Sims. And I'm Jonathan Bell. And this is Live and Local. It's our podcast dedicated to showcasing the musicians of Manhattan. We talk to them about what they do, and best of all, listen to them perform live in one of our favorite local venues. Who is joining us today, Jonathan? Aaron, today we welcome local brass musician and composer Nick Grinder. Hailed by Slide Hampton as, quote, an important future voice in jazz trombone, end quote, and, quote, modern, forward-thinking, and powerfully melodic, end quote, by Jazz Ed. Nick Grinder is a versatile trombonist and a low, bra- low brass doubler in New York City. Originally from San Francisco, Nick has enjoyed a varied career since moving to the city in 2010. He has shared the stage or recording studio with artists such as Lord, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Patti LaBelle, DMX, St. Vincent, and many others. He has performed in two dozen Broadway pits and has held the chair at Beautiful, the Carol King Musical. In the jazz world, he has performed in the Grammy Award-winning big bands of Arturo O'Farrell, Alan Ferber, Darcy James Argue, John Diversa, and the Mambo Legends, and has recorded as a sideman on over 20 jazz albums. As a leader, Nick has released two albums of original compositions for small group, 10 Minutes in 2014 and Farallon, released in 2019 on outside in music. We are thrilled to have him today on Live and Local. Without further ado, Nick Grinder. Thank you. 
That was awesome. Thank you so much. It's great to have you here, Nick. How are you today? Good. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks uh, for having me, I guess I should say. <laughs> well, sure. It was great to having all three of you yeah. uh, before. Uh, first, uh, could you introduce who you brought to play with you today, who played with you? Uh, yeah, so today um, my friend Marty Kenny played the bass, uh, and my friend Nathan Elman Bell played the drums today. Just a cordless trio is what we call it, because there's no piano, no guitar, nothing like that. So, yeah. Cutting the cord, huh? Cutting the cord, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, could you could, could you tell us also, um, oh, please, what you just played for us? Uh, yeah, so the first song that uh, I did was called Staged, and that was on my latest record, Farallon. And uh, the one before, uh, the one after that was uh, Look, and that was on my first record in 2014, I guess. Ten minutes, yeah. Huh. Well, um, Nick, I always have to adjust in a pleasing fashion to the space that's always made um, available without a harmonic instrument. As a pianist, I kind of immediately, that's one of the first things I can't help noticing is the lack of, you know, spelling out the quality of chords and it really kind of, um, as a listener, I can, I can hear like so many more possibilities of what's being implied in your music. And, yeah. um, so, and you don't always, I hear trombone as the melodic instrument. I, I know maybe a handful mm -hmm. in the city uh, of people um, who lead trios um, as trombonists. So, um, but uh, along this line of um, trios or quartets or whatever small type of ensemble that doesn't have a guitar or keyboard, mm -hmm. could you speak to... Um, what how that opens things up for you or yeah. limits things sure. as a composer yeah it's um i mean I, I i chose the songs that i chose today um because i felt like they were sort of more tonal and more melodic and fairly straightforward um and i at least in my point in playing in without a chord you know i, I need all the help i can get so sometimes playing stuff that has a lot more complex harmony or more complex form is a lot more challenging, you know, obviously, like you said, it's more challenging because there's no piano, there's nothing, the only thing outlining the changes and even the rhythm for that matter is you and, you know, you and your bass player. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I tried to make things um, as, you know, uh, more on the simple side, mm -hmm. I guess, just in terms of the tunes of mine that I picked um, to do this. Um, but it, it is, it's both, yeah, it's both freeing and kind of terrifying, you know, <laughs> right? because you can kind of, you're kind of, kind of on the edge can be on the edge of the cliff a little bit you know mm -hmm. and if if you know i i haven't played jazz with people in so long especially these guys i mean i, I used to play with these guys all the time and right. um you know it's been pr probably yeah at least a year maybe i guess since we've done that that so added to the terror a little bit yes today. that that i mean that just you know <laughs> the the footing becomes a little less sure right. just you know but it was it was still yeah obviously great to play great to play with them um sync because it had been so long and, so you know, so forgive me if yeah. For my ignorance here, if it sounds like ignorant anyway, but oh. this is just kind of, I'm just kind of thinking through um, and following through what I'd already asked. And also, you just used the word um, challenging in reference to not having a guitarist or pianist. Yeah. In some ways, though, is there an advantage to the fact that there's, it is a little less dense. In some ways, as an improviser, there's less chance of wrong notes 
and clashes, although sure. like sometimes those things can be just managed in the course yeah. and adjusted to. But is there is there, I, I, just, I guess I want you to go into more the freedom side of mm -hmm. of not having the harmonic instrument. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, piano for for me, I I play piano a lot. I mean, I think most jazz musicians have played piano and are you know they know their way around it a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And the thing about at least that I think about piano guitar a little less so, but any chordal instrument. It's, there's so much vibe, vibe when you're doing that. You know, it's like right. you play a chord and, and pianists and everybody, I mean, you have so much to choose from. And I think sometimes in that people can, you know, you, you can influence the direction of stuff a whole lot. Um, and sometimes, you know, depending on who it is, like obviously, you know, really sensitive, good pianists won't, you know, they won't take it in, in one way that if you're going a certain way. You know, it it'll it'll be really more of an interplay, but um, right. sometimes it can be yeah, it can be a little freeing not to have, um, not to have that so much. Um, it kind of it takes that part out of the equation. Um, you know, but I mean, obviously, playing with good musicians is there's regardless of what they're playing, it's it's right. great. You know, but yeah, it, it can be a little. You know, just even choosing a major chord is such a <laughs> you know, you play a major six, you play a major seven, you put a nine right on it. Right there, you're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're Very defining sort of what, you know, where it's going, what the vibe is and stuff like that. And that can be, yeah, can can be nice to n just not have that, you know right. what I mean? It's sort of, but it's also very naked at the same time. So it's a little, you right. know, it's it's challenging. I'm sure you heard heard it. It was, um, you know, it's not like we were struggling so much, but it's, there's a lot more there to grab hold of, you know. Right. So. Have you done um, bigger ensembles yeah. in this vein without, again, a, a pianist? Oh, I see. Or, um, I mean, just wondering. Yeah, uh, let's say I, I, I've done, um, I actually haven't, I mean, I play, you, you had Juanma Trujillo on your thing mm -hmm. last night, you know, um, I think guitar is a little bit, it's, it's almost like, uh, <laughs> it's a little harder, it's almost like a horn player, hmm. uh, a little bit, just because it's harder to have so much presence as the piano, you know what I mean, you can, right. you, you can't, you can't do ten notes, you can do, whatever, five notes, but you can't do ten notes, and you right. can't play them super independently, um, Right. But I guess I, I've done, um, I used to have a regular gig at, at Silvana. Do you guys know that place yes. on 110th? Yeah, or yeah. 116th. Um, had a regular gig at Silvana for a while. I played there every month with um, two horns, drums, and bass. Um, and that can be kind of fun. It was, it was just usually me and an alto, um, sometimes myself and a trumpet player, and we just have drums and bass. Um, and it's kind of fun doing, you know, the harmony is more than defined. You can do more compositionally because the harmony is just defined by you know, these two horns right. and then having just the sort of naked rhythm section under there. It's kind of a, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. Very Ornette ish, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ornette Coleman. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's, and you, and you find your own groove. <laughs> yeah. You dictate your own groove and then you find it and you stick to it. And then they follow you with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. That's the, well, that is the hope anyway. Yeah. Um, well, getting back to, uh, well, you've played, I mean, as a, your credits are so uh, amazing and uh, I mean, starting off as a sideman, I would think more than a leader first, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And uh, you play with some big pop acts and also in Broadway and big bands, um, so a lot more ensemble work. And uh, it's it's really impressive the range of styles you're able to play. It's also fantastic to see um, so many uptown musicians collaborate. Like I said, Juan Ma, um, and also uh, you played with Rich Samaria and his mm -hmm. Combo Nuvo project. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm curious how you approach um, your gig as a sideman in these diverse circumstances. 
uh, is there a certain mindset or a way you prepare uh, based on that style? Yeah. And, and how and what you're asked to perform. Obviously, it's kind of a it's kind of a one two punch. It's like coming as a side man and also what style and how you could perform. Yeah, uh, I mean it's whatever the gig is, the preparation is. Uh, you know, you gotta, it's always going to be different, mm -hmm. you know, so I, uh, depending on, you know, Broadway, um, you know, I've, I've basically the bread, my bread and butter is being a substitute on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, that's sort of how I am able to afford my rent and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and I, it's, it's a great, it's really fun and interesting too. Um, but that, that works is, you know, you get the book and you learn the book and you go in there and you try to play exactly like the regular, um, as opposed to like, I was the regular on a show for a while. And that was, that was basically my show that was. I would sub out to other people. Um, mm. So the prep for something like that is really, um, it, it's similar to doing like a big band gig or something like that. But I mean, the, the margins of error and something like that are extremely small. <laughs> right. So you're almost, you almost memorize the book, you know, when, right. you're, doing, you, when you're doing it, you know, it's like, you, you don't want there to be very much question. Not that sometimes there is a lot of question, but um, yeah, it just, it just, you know, being you know, something like that and then getting a call for, Something totally random. That that gig with Rich, actually, with Combo Nouveau, um, that was very last minute, and that was that was pretty new in the city, and that was a that's a great band. I mean, there he had he got some really amazing musicians. Dave Schroeder, a whole bunch of great people. Yeah, Dave Schroeder. I mean, just my um, this trombone player, Alan Ferber, was there. I mean, it was. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, it was like some heavy, more heavier New York musicians, and I he Rich had me play bass trombone on that, um, and I was yeah, it was very nerve wracking. I didn't have a ton of time to prepare. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that you do to uh, both manage your stress in a situation like that, but also your, you know, how, how do you go in and sight read really well? You know, you practice sight reading and you, you know, you're always practicing. Like I play tenor, that I just play tenor trombone here, but I play bass, you know, bass trombone a lot as well. And so keeping up both of those instruments is a big, that's a big part of what yeah. I do every day, you know. I, I, I was going to say, from a practical standpoint, all those hours working on your sight reading thank god yeah right yeah. sometimes yeah yeah you know i know the number of singer friends who the ones who have the work are the ones who can sight read yeah and they get the gigs at the churches and so forth so some of those music some of those skills from like conservatory days sure like, you know come yeah. back you're like thank goodness one thing that from another interview we had one thing that i wish i had taken when i was in school was conducting classes oh yeah just again, not so much because that's the thing I want to do necessarily mm -hmm. so much, mm -hmm. but it would have been a nice skill to have just for gigs and, like it, you said, paying the rent. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's nice. I mean, sometimes there there are so many amazing composers and amazing band leaders mm. um, who are not amazing conductors. <laughs> and when you get, you know, it's like, it's so yeah. nice. Um, and, you know, it's fine, like being a, a sideman and having a conductor who's not great i mean it's like especially in in the jazz setting or especially in a show setting um you know you usually you either have a click in a show uh -huh. and you know the book hopefully or uh -huh. you know you you've got a rhythm section stuff like that you know but having a, a conductor who is knows what they're doing is like you know it's it's a luxury basically and it's it's so nice to to have that and it's such a huge skill like that so many people you know yeah if i composing a ton do I, you know, it's it's a whole other thing to get good at conducting. It's like, right. that's a big, yeah. It's a, it's now, a, if you don't mind me asking, what is your um, background more um, more specifically as a trombonist? Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, did you spend any time, 
like learning the cl classical repertoire. Sure. I'm just wondering what your background yeah, is yeah. and where I, jazz emerged from. Right. Yeah. I mean, I um, I, I both my degrees are in jazz um, studies, but I, especially when I was in high school, I really liked classical music. I was in a couple youth orchestras in in, Cal in San Francisco, um, and I I was very close to trying to go to a classical conservatory and try mm -hmm. to do that. Um, and when I, I studied in LA, uh, a place called Cal State Northridge, which is sort of, uh, it's, it actually has a great jazz program, mm -hmm. um, out of all the, you know, there's a ton of, in California, there's state schools and there's Cal, like the universities and stuff like that. And the universities don't oddly, you know, they focus on important things like, you know, science and, <laughs> math, you know, stuff that things that civilians do. Yes, exactly. But, um, the, some of the state schools have fantastic jazz programs and, okay. and uh, CSUN, we call it CSUN. Cal State Northridge uh, has a great jazz program, but they also have a very classical program, and it's in L.A., so, you know, L.A., there's tons of studio musicians there, and I, I mm. got to study, I studied with, my jazz teacher was this guy named Bob McChesney, who's one of the best Ramon improvisers who, uh, he should get so much more uh, recognition, I feel like, than he does, you know, okay. um, and the other guy was Andy Malloy, who I studied with, um, and I studied classical with him, and he's you know, you look at, there's so many musicians out there, you look at their websites or you look at their bios and it's just, you know, hundreds of movies. Um, right, right. And he's he's an amazing classical player. And so I studied, yeah, I studied classical with him and I played in the orchestra in my school. And mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I think it's really important. I mean, and I love that music, you know, but it's important just to, you know, being good at the trombone, any, any instrument really, but just, you know, learning how to play the instrument kind of takes some, uh, mm -hmm. you got to know a bunch of different styles. Right, um, right. There is an equipment thing. I mean, playing trombone in an orchestra is way different than playing in a big band, you know, or a wind band or mm. a pit or a, you know, a horn section or something like that. I mean, there's so, there's so little playing in an orchestra, um, which is really challenging. Coming in, I remember when I, when I was in high school, I had to do a, oh, if any classical person listens to this, they're going to be, I'm going to be embarrassed. I, it's, I think it's Brahms four, either Brahm, one of the Brahms orchestra symphonies. Um, you got to come in on this high note, high A. Um, I, I think it's the fourth movement, um, and I, I had to do that in the high school, and it was so, it was so so challenging. I think at the time I didn't really know how challenging it was, and I, mm -hmm. thankfully I did it. But now I'm just thinking like having to sit cold for 45 minutes. Right come in on a high note <laughs> and come in absolutely perfectly yeah. in a, in a really reverberant hall where everyone's going to hear you, you know, um, yeah. that's extremely challenging. And I think that in itself is such a different, uh, right. skill than playing jazz. And also the horn right. you play classical trombones are much bigger. Right. The bore size is huge. And the horn that I just played is much smaller. So, right. um, it's, al it's almost like a different instrument. Right. Know, well, right. I'm curious going back to your training, uh, and you said you're playing with these people who, who are incredibly well accomplished out in California. Uh, I'm curious um, if they inspired you to take on writing your own compositions. I'm curious when that happened because you're obviously uh, learning from these people who are working in the industry and creating their own work. I was curious if that rubbed off on you or did that come later to you when you went to graduate school mm -hmm. or curious how, how, that, how that evolved for you? Yeah. Uh... I don't know if it's, it sounds sad, but I feel like my, my creative output has been <laughs> declining a little bit since I left school. Um, and since I, you know, since I got out of high school, I, I, I think the, I mean, I, I credit being um, pushed and influenced compositionally by my peers, basically. Every, every, most of the people who I've 
um, been lucky to have around me have been really, uh, really interesting forward thinking um, improvisers and composers. I mean, Juan, Juan Matrujillo is one of those guys. Um, he's really pushed. He was always, you know, when we were in college, we, we, we had, we were living together, me and two other musicians. And Juan was the guy who's always writing, you know, he would, mm-hmm. he would be just, you know, he's just always writing. And there are people like that. And he would really push me to do that. Um, and I think, I think, you know, when you're in school, you're, it's not like a cookie cutter thing or anything like that, but you know, you have, you do certain things and then you sort of move on to doing other things. You know, it's like you learn this tune and then you learn another tune, you know, or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was, the program was at Northridge and I, I went to NYU for my master's. Those are both good programs that influenced, you know, they tried to get you to write and stuff like that, but it, it really is the people around me um, who is, you know, and the more that I've like actually had to, you know, doing sideman stuff, it's hard to make time to really write for yourself, you know, because mm. no one's, you know, no one's paying you to do that. You know, you're really working for yourself at that mm. point. So. Do you mind if I ask, dive into his music? Yeah. For a second? Okay. Um, I just want to get into the a little bit. What the first song comes to mind. I just want to talk a little bit about the uh, into your talk about some details. Sure. Um, hopefully, I'm not way off here, but it sounded to me had a Thelonious Monk oh, cool. vibe to it, hmm. um, and that for, uh, sort of that asymmetrical feeling. Still mm-hmm. a blues form. It sounded like if it wasn't blues, it sounded kind of like it was alluding hmm. to blues. Um, is there any uh, um, inspiration that you find in Thelonious Monk? I mean, I love Monk, yeah. I mean, okay. Monk is like, um, I definitely, um, especially stuff like this, he is such a, uh amazing figure because he was so melodic. His, t- I mean, the tunes that he wrote, he's thought of as this kind of awkward you know he's like mm-hmm. yeah you know weird left-footed guy but the tunes that he wrote were extremely melodic you know well let's hear what you have coming up next for us you have a third track you're going to play for us right? yeah um i was thinking about what to call this one um number three is fine number three i guess that's not a very <laughs> bluesy song but yeah that's that's a blues we played a d-flat blues there you go so yeah awesome yeah. once again nick grinder Thank you. 
was awesome thanks Nick so can I ask you um, what's the role of the blues for you in in terms of your 
compositional um, background and what does it just mean to you generally as a jazz musician? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you ask a lot, most, you ask a jazz musician sort of in the simplest sense, you know, what's the blues is a form, you know, it's a, it's a 12 bar form. Um, but, you know, it's, it's like the root of most American, I mean, all American music really, and I mean, so much American culture is based in, you know, whatever people sort of think of blues is, which is really black music, you know. Um, in, in black music, you know, it's the basis for rock and roll. It's obviously the basis for hip hop. I, I really think that every, yeah, I mean, I think every music that we listen to and even further, every, you, you know, our, our culture is incredibly seeped in that. Um, and so I guess for me, that's, it's kind of everything. I mean, you know, it's like I'm, I love early jazz. I love bebop. You know, I love Sonny Rollins. I love harp. I mean, I love, I love Keith Jarrett in the '70s. You know, I it's and it, to me it's all, you, you can't ignore it and you can't. You know, it's 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 completely permeating through all that stuff. I mean, I, you you know, love Stevie Wonder. I mm -hmm. love the Beatles. It's like, so it's to me it's kind of I, it's kind of everything. I think I guess you can say broad more broadly it's synonymous with black American music. Um, but yeah, mm. it's, it's you know. It's, it's everything, cool. I think, in a way. Um, well, moving from the past of the blues and the origins of that to the present and the future, um, I'm curious because you mentioned earlier it's hard to stay motivated and write sure. when, you're, yeah. when you're not in an ensemble and you don't have your peers moving, pushing you forward. So I'm curious, um, how has the past 10 months been for you? And, you know, it's just not going to end anytime soon, maybe another year, but there, yeah. I hate to say it. Uh, um, I'm just curious, uh, what's it been like for you? What do you, what have you learned and as person, musician, all in one is your identity very much is linked to what you do and who you are. Yeah. Uh, it's been very crippling for many people who've not been able to express themselves as part of their vocation. Yeah. Uh, so I was curious how you've been faring with everything and, and when any projects and I'm want to hopefully end on a positive <laughs> note with you yeah. and it's okay if it's not by the way uh and saying like are you working towards some some new new work that's a good yeah that's a good question i um i guess firstly i i i have been i've commissioned a couple people to write music for trombone just the trombone basically trombone quartet and the idea is that i would record all this stuff at home um, and basically try to sort of elevate these composers actually in the classical world to be like, you know, there's a huge overlap between jazz and classical music sure. or whatever, you know, those words are so ridiculous, you know? Right. Um, and so I, I've, I've been, com I've commissioned a couple of people and I, I'm trying to get myself to record them, but it's, uh, you know, going to the first part of your question, it's extremely, it's been really difficult for me to be motivated and to actually, um, I mean, I, I'm still practicing every day, but it's really not as much as I would like to be doing. And I, I think, I think for a lot of people, uh, they were uh, when the beginning of this this thing happened, we were like, oh, it's going to be a couple months. I'm going to hmm. finally I get time to practice. It's going to be great. And hmm. I was hitting it really hard, and it was it was it was fantastic. And then, you know, you sort of realize that it's not going to be over in three months or five months or six months, and you're kind of like, well, why am I playing? I mean, I get yeah, I do get a lot of motivation and i found this out about myself um that i get a lot of motivation from my people i play with you know because i mean new york is great because everyone is amazing here you know you, you in this neighborhood i mean in any neighborhood you go to there's you know probably 20 incredible musicians 
you know, not top tier, whatever, middle tier, like guys you've never heard of. Mm. He's just amazing on all fronts. Mm. Um, and not being able to play with them has been really hard. And it's been, um, yeah, something I've got to really try to figure out how to make better about, you know, mm. actually being self-motivated. I'm not, I'm a very bad social media person, so I don't, um, <laughs> some people are posting amazing stuff, you know, every couple weeks and it's, it's inspiring, but I, it's been hard for me to, to sort of mimic that because I like playing with people and, you mm -hmm. know, it's having, yeah, so. It's, well, it's yeah, I feel you. Yeah. We, well, yeah. well, we definitely count you in as amongst our top 20 wonderful people to play up here. That's nice. And so it's just been really great to finally uh, get you to come on here. Well, and, thank and you. Yeah, thank you guys for putting this on, for putting this on. It's such a good thing for, uh, yeah, it's for artists here who need something to get them to continue to mm -hmm. you know, do stuff so it's yeah. really really appreciate it yeah. well we appreciate you and i want to say too is that you know we're you know doing the best we can navigating through this and uh, uh i can't do this without jonathan and ken and alfonso and the entire team behind the project um there's a great team working on this show, um, and it has turned into a show. It started off as a project, uh, has turned into like, this is something, I don't even know. We'll just say 40-something episode that we've done since the beginning and uh, in less than a year's time, which is, I think, no small feat. So thanks to the Inwood Artworks crew, and also thanks to all you wonderful listeners out there who are supporting us and making us... Uh, uh, well, it's just wonderful to hear that you love the people we're putting on because we have people asking us to be on the show who heard from a person who heard from a person. Uh, yeah. And it's really great. And that's coming from all over. So um, we're very blessed. We're very blessed. A lot of talent. Incredible amount of talent here mm -hmm. in <clears throat> uptown Manhattan. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, very true. So uh, is there a place, um, Jonathan? Uh, sure. Well, I just, I guess a lot of our... Um, listeners always want to know where they can hear more of our artists yeah. music yeah um, the best place if you're not buying a physical CD is Bandcamp okay. uh, bandcamp.com slash Nick Grinder I think is my thing but if you just search Bandcamp Nick Grinder um, any any uh, independent artist would love you if they have a Bandcamp some people don't I mean but if usually most of the stuff is um, you can just go there and pay for a download or pay for a physical CD or whatever that is the best thing you can do for an artist. I mean, you know, Spotify pays fractions of a cent per stream, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so it's, it's kind of... This is a good conversation to have on leading out, leading out there because we have yeah. a lot of different artists who say, go to my band camp, go to this, go to that. Yeah. Is band camp, oh, for, for, for quote-unquote, pardon the pun, your money, <laughs> um, the way to go, you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the one that... Um, you know, it's not a streaming service. I mean, you can right. stream, I think, um, but it's not like Apple Music. It's not like Spotify. So there is that, you know. Um, but if you want to help, you know, you want to pay 10 bucks for an album, that's the best way to directly help the artist um, other than, yeah. And so the streaming stuff, it is, there's no escaping it. It is what it is. But mm -hmm. it's, you know, that's, I think, I still think that's the best way. Or, but, you know, a lot of artists have, have physical, I know I have, boxes of physical cds that i'm, I'm right there with you still yeah. i love the cover art i love the liner yeah. notes yeah. i love the I stickers i just don't have inside. anything to play it in though yeah it's just true oh that's true I too know. i know so it's 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 a challenging but i mean yeah that's you know if you're talking about supporting people that's uh, so many people have cds and stuff but yeah well, i think band camps go out there folks yeah. support your local artists and then now you can include nick grinder in that group hopefully uh so 
thanks so much to Nick Grinder for joining us here today on Live and Local uh, here on In What Artworks On Air. It's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Uh, I want to thank 809 Restaurant Lounge so much for hosting us. Uh, it's one of our favorite live and local venues, and we couldn't do it without them. Uh, also, big thank you to HeightSites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which hopefully soon in the eventually gathering phase of COVID, we can include once again the Inwood Film Festival, Filmwork Self Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all of our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from the New York City Company Foundation with support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer and the NISCA Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan, the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. For Inwood Artworks On Air.